Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Wow, Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Uh, I came back to faith 33, nearly 34 years ago uh, at Easter. I escaped Easter camp early because I knew what they did. And I was uh, not doing terribly well in life at the time. And I One, two, oh, I'm back. I'm running as fast as I could in the opposite direction from God, actually, at the time. But some friends invited me to Easter camp, and, um, and God's there. So I left early and went back to a very empty <laughs> halls of residence at Teachers College in Hamilton, uh, hoping that I'd maybe be able to miss him. Turns out he travels. And, uh, and there I was thinking I'd you know, missed all of those times of ministry at the Easter camp, but actually he met me in my uh, dorm room at the halls of residence in uh, Waikato and, uh, and let me know he wanted me back. So Easter is a very special time to me. I know there are other people here that came either to faith for the first time or came back to their relationship with God at this time. Uh, so why don't we just take a moment and we'll just pray and ask God once again to come and to meet with each one of us, wherever we find ourselves at today, okay? So Lord, uh, this is a really precious, wonderful day. And we ask God that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done and that your Holy Spirit would come and fill this place and fill us again. Because we never, ever run out of needing you. So God, would you just come and meet with us again, your people, whether it's for the first time or the 50th. Come, Lord Jesus, come and meet with us. Fix our gaze, capture our hearts again, lift up our eyes to see the invitation of your love and your forgiveness and your freedom and your life and your hope that you offer to each one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just remind ourselves of the weekend, shall we? Because it's been a bit of a journey in terms of the church calendar. And how many of you got to go to the Good Friday contemplative walk uh, in Silverdale? Awesome. So grateful to uh, the Comptons who did such amazing art for us to be able to use. You'll be able to actually see those stations of the cross that they've created out in the foyer and down. uh, Our coasties are using them today. But you're really welcome to go for a walk later on and have a look at those. But if we remember Good Friday, it's a really weird name because it was actually a really crappy day (laughs) for the people who were there that first Easter. It was Jesus's crucifixion and death. It was the death of a whole lot of hopes and dreams that his disciples had. It was a day of horror. It was a day of despair. It was a day of lost hopes and dreams. And then Saturday, it was silent. There was this tension and the waiting. It was like, we've just lost everything. Now what? Now what? 
They had no idea. It was like they had had this adventure of a lifetime for three years. Then they were pinning all of their hopes and dreams and expectations on this man that they were increasingly coming to love and be in awe of. And then he's just gone. They had no clue what was coming next. And then Sunday, Sunday morning was just confusing. A bunch of women went up to the tomb to go and uh, finish being able to do all of the things that they needed to do to Jesus' body according to tradition. And when they got there, the stones rolled away and there's no one there except some angels. And so the women have this encounter with these angels where they're saying, he's not here, he's alive. Remember everything that he told you. And they went rushing back to the disciples and did the disciples believe them? No. So there was this confusion. There was this what is going on kind of a feeling. This warring hope and disbelief in the disciples' hearts and conversations that day. Now later that day, at the end of the day, there was a couple of disciples who were on the road to a place called Emmaus, which is a few hours' walk out of Jerusalem. They've pretty much given up. There's nothing to wait for in Jerusalem. Everything has kind of crashed and burned, and they're kind of taking their wounded hearts and souls, and they're taking themselves back home. We're told that uh, one of them is named Cleopas, or Clopas, and it was probably his wife Mary with him. Mary is referred to uh, by the disciple John in his book in chapter 19. She had been at Jesus' crucifixion. She was probably one of the women there that morning. Can you imagine the discussion with your husband? I tell you, I really did see an angel. He really did say these things. You know, you can imagine this conversation as they're just like, we don't get any of this. We don't understand any of this. Now, it's important for us to remember that this isn't just a story of some imagined thing. This really took place with two people. This encounter that happens, it's not a metaphor, it's biography. It's Luke telling their story so that then we can know what happened when they have this encounter on the road to Emmaus. And why that matters for us, why, why does reading this literally matter? Because a literal reading of the story makes an actual, personal encounter with the living Lord Jesus Christ thrillingly possible, tangible, and available to all of us. So I'm going to reread some of that for you. I've just uh, There's a new book out by Pete Gregg, How to Hear God. And he actually has woven the, the story of the road to Emmaus and what happens there all the way through the book. So if you are looking for something good to read for the rest of the weekend, get that on Kindle. Okay, so as I read this, uh, I'm going to read part of its narrative and part of its scripture. So just for the tech guys, I've only got the pieces of scripture, all right? So you'll just have to keep up with me. Is that you, Jenny? Tech guys, tech woman, whiz back there. There she is. All right. Imagine yourself there that day. It's late afternoon and the sun is sinking, lengthening the shadows as we discuss the horrors of recent events in Jerusalem, there is a weariness in our steps. It's as if the world has ended. He catches us up easily with a spring in his step, as if it had just begun. 
we lower our voices, expecting him to pass us by with the usual pleasantries, but instead he slows down and falls in with our pace, seeming to want to talk. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast, and one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here these days? What things, he asked. Does he really not know? Do we dare trust him? These are dangerous times. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. But the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. And in addition, some of our women, like my neighbor here, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. The stranger's face is hard to read. Clearly, he's caught up in the things that we're recounting, but somehow he doesn't seem particularly distressed, impressed, or surprised. At one point, he even seems to stifle a laugh. Finally, he stops. He looks up at the sky and emits a long, frustrated sigh. He said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to come to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of the scriptures concerning himself. All our lives we have heard these stories of Abraham and Moses, but the way that he tells them ignites something indescribable in our hearts insight after insight that we've never heard before. It's a couple of hours to Emmaus on road, three when you're tired and talking as we are now, but before we know it, we're home. The sun has set and dusk is falling fast. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it is nearly evening, the day is almost, almost over, so he went in to stay with them. Now our guests' feet are washed first, of course, and then when it is done, he looks directly at the servant and expresses a gratitude disproportionate to the menial duty rendered. But by now the smell of fresh bread is filling the house, lamps are flickering, and our best wine is waiting. Eagerly, we retire to the table, but before I can bless the food in the usual way, our guest takes charge. When he was at the table with, with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. 
They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? The fire ignited in our hearts earlier on the road now consumes us entirely. With our own eyes, we have seen him. Suddenly we are more awake, more amazed, more alive than we have ever been before. Hurriedly we wrap our cloaks around us, all tiredness is gone, and step out into the night. They got up and returned to, at once to Jerusalem, and there they found the eleven and those with them and assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. I'm not actually sure who Simon is, but anyway. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Isn't that amazing? The person you thought you were never going to see again, the person who held all of the hope and all of the anticipation of the things of God is suddenly right there. But here's the thing, as we unpack this a little, it's like they miss him, which kind of blows my mind. Tom Wright, he reflects on this piece of scripture in his book, uh, Luke for Everyone. At the level of drama, it has everything. Sorrow, suspense, puzzlement, gradual dawning of light, and then in the second half, unexpected actions, astonished recognition, and a flurry of excitement and activity. This describes the experience of innumerable Christians and indeed goes quite a long way to explaining what it is about Christianity that grasps us and holds us in the face of so much that is wrong with the world, with the church, and with ourselves. What is it that holds us? The reality that we can encounter the risen, living Jesus today. That's what holds us. Just as Mary and Cleopas did all those years ago, he is with us. We can encounter him today, afresh. And this is the reason why we get excited on Resurrection Sunday. I'm actually really encouraged by the fact that these ones who knew Jesus didn't recognize him. It kind of gives me hope for all of the times where I feel like I look back and I go, oh, there you were. But in the moment, I, was, I'm just, I just can't, I just don't recognize him. I wonder if part of why they didn't recognize him is they're just so sad. They're so, you know how you can get so overwhelmed, so consumed by your loss by your sadness, by your grief, by your disappointment, that you can't see what's right in front of you sometimes. But the other thing that may have been at play here is that this shouldn't have happened. Dead is dead, right? There's no expectation that they would see him. Not, not the way that they were expecting. See, they had all of these expectations that Jesus was going to be the Messiah. He was going to come and he was going to triumph over Rome and kick out you know, the Romans so that uh, the people of Israel were no longer oppressed. They had this idea of who Jesus should be. And that can, ha that can happen to us. Our expectations about how God is going to talk to us, the way that he's going to do it, that can mean that if he does something completely different, which I don't know about you, but he seems to do that to me quite a lot, means I cannot not recognize him. 
because he didn't do it the way that I thought he would or how I thought he would. And so if he doesn't meet my expectations, I can miss it just in the same way that those two disciples did. Ronald Rollheiser in his book, Sacred Fire, says this. Luke's point was that the disciples did not recognize Jesus because given their mindset, it was impossible for them to see Christ in one who had been so humiliated in crucifixion. Dying in this way made him, in their faith eyes, the excluded one. Crucifixion was so barbaric, so humiliating, so shame-filled that there was no way that their expectation of what a Messiah should be could be him. Dying the way that he did in their faith made him the excluded one, the one outside of God's blessings. Their faith had trained their eyes to see and recognize only a Christ who fit their understanding and imagination. A crucified Jesus did not fit into that understanding, and thus he was unrecognizable to them, even as he was chatting with them. We have to be a little bit kind to them because I think the same thing can happen to us. For the disciples who witnessed those events of the crucifixion, there was nowhere in their understanding that this man that they had seen die could be the Son of God. It defied all of their expectations. But a couple of hopeful things, even though they kind of just can't see him, can't recognize him, and we may find ourselves in those places, is a few things just for us to note about what Jesus does to encounter his disciples and what happens as a result. First of all, he steps into their darkness and their despair and their despondency. He doesn't hold back. He steps right in there and starts up a conversation. And that is where... Uh, all of their feeling let down by God, all of their disappointment slowly, slowly gives way to hope. The same thing can happen for us when Jesus is near to us, when we are not in a good place, and he steps near, he steps towards us, he steps into our broken places, our sad places, our desolate places. We never walk alone. We never do. Jesus, if we will but see, always walks alongside us. The other thing that we see is that Jesus encounters his disciples through Scripture. He spends time unpacking Scripture that they already know. These are people who have grown up within Jewish tradition. These are the Scriptures that they have heard the whole of their lives. And yet as he talks to them about it, they see it like for the first time. Because it's through the perspective of Jesus and all that he's just done. And as that happens, their hearts start to burn within them. Jesus can encounter us in the same way as we look to Scripture and we try to read it and hear it and encounter him. Right there, our hearts come alive. Our hearts can be burning within us. And then finally, Jesus meets them and encounters them and opens their eyes to all of who he is by sharing a meal. It's dinner. And in the midst of dinner, he reenacts some of what he'd just done the week before at the Last Supper with his disciples. And as he's breaking bread and blessing that, 
It's like, oh my gosh, it's you. And then he's gone. We can have those moments. We're having communion today. We're going to finish with that. That is a place of encounter for us. We can come, whether this is our first communion or our, I don't know, we do it every month. A lot of us have been doing this a while. But every time, it is a place for us to encounter him again, afresh. To have our hearts burn within us. To have our eyes opened for hope to break into whatever our circumstances are. And the result of that encounter is to see two tired disciples who have just spent the day, or actually the whole weekend, going on an emotional roller coaster, who have finally just got home. They quickly gobble down some dinner, throw on their cloaks, and they head right back to where they've just been to tell everyone what's happened. And that is the nature of what happens to us when we encounter Jesus again. Just the other week, I was listening to a podcast um, and my ears pricked up because they were talking about encountering Jesus through a different piece of scripture. But, but what struck me is they said, you know, encounter leads to devotion. Devotion leads to obedience and obedience leads to legacy. We see that in the lives of the disciples. As they have these encounters with Jesus, particularly the resurrected Jesus, their lives are turned upside down, inside out, and they are set ablaze. This fuels their devotion. As they encounter his love and his forgiveness, they cannot help but fall in love with him all the more, which leads them to say yes to him over and over and over again, to follow wherever God sends them, to do whatever it is that God calls them to do, and for all of the apostles that ultimately led them to their deaths. They all became martyrs for their faith, which then leads to a legacy. Their obedience led to the birth of the church. We are walking in the legacy of those who encountered Jesus then. And it hasn't stopped, guys. Like for us, we have this opportunity regularly for us to have encounters with Jesus that then fuel our devotion, that capture our hearts and our, love, our hearts just grow in love for God. And that leads us to a yes, to our obedient following of whatever the Jesus way is in front of us today. And then that leads to legacy. This doesn't just affect our lives. It affects our families. It affects our friends. It affects our communities as this has this ripple effect of life and hope that we get to carry and give away to everybody we meet. Anyone with me? Like, I'm up for that. This is what we're invited to remind ourselves of again today. Just think about for you, when, when did you encounter Jesus the first time? Like, actually, it's not a rhetorical question. Actually think. For all of us, we have our story of our journey with God. And our encounter with him was not just a one-time thing. We, can, we have done, because I've heard a number of your stories, we have encountered him again and again and again and again. We want to hold on to those things, but more than that, we want to seek more of it. We want to seek encountering Jesus again. What is it that we want to do with that? As we finish up here today, what are those places, those spaces in our lives that we can really, I don't know, fight for 
carve out of our schedules, put into practice those spaces and ways that help us to encounter God all the time, every day, every week, that will then help us to live devoted lives to him, to be obedient to the call that God has on our lives and to help build a legacy for ourselves, for our loved ones, for our church, for our community. What is God's invitation to you today? We're going to take communion. Um, Can I ask our communion team to come on up? We're going to have four stations up the front here. And we can come when we're ready. But as you do, just take a moment and talk to God. We all hear imperfectly. We hear in part. And so if this is all new to you, just just be there. Trust that God's brought you here today on purpose. And for those of us who have been doing this a little bit longer and maybe feel a little more comfortable with this idea of God talking to us, what is it that he's whispering to your heart today? Where might he be inviting you into a fresh encounter with him? Come on up, guys. Thank you. We've got, uh, looks like, I'm just looking. We've got gluten-free options and gluten-full options, depending on what you need. Let's have someone over that way as well. Thank you. We haven't done this in this building before, so this is all new and fresh. Thanks, team. Why don't we just pause a minute and pray? Let's just close our eyes. Lord, I ask that you would speak afresh to us again today. I ask, God, that you would give us the gift of faith, an expectation of being able to meet with you again today in fresh ways. May our eyes be opened to participate in the freedom made available by your love. May our hearts burn with the realization of hope and redemption found in Jesus. And may we live joyfully as we journey to this table with our brothers and sisters who are too being renewed by your Holy Spirit. So come, Lord God, and encounter your people again today. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church whanau or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day. Be blessed.